Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode six of the That's Bold podcast. And I'm sorry that I wasn't able to record last week. Uh, I came down with a brutal sickness, and I it would have been a brutal episode to record, honestly. So I thought it was best that I take the week off, that I'd be better than ever to come back next week. And that's what we're doing this today. And I'm excited to be back. So let's get right into it. So the layout for today's show, we'll be talking about the UFC um, 283 that happened now two weeks ago, but UFC 283, um, some predictions for UFC events coming up. We're talking about in the NFL playoffs and my reaction so far, and then my Super Bowl predictions. We're talking about some golf stuff like that. Um, we're talking about the bold pick of the week, obviously, and then we'll close it out with the top five. But let's start out from the top. UFC 283. This took place in Brazil, and this is a cool event because when the UFC does this, they always have a lot of hometown fighters when they fight in uh, countries uh, like foreign countries. So they had the main event was Glover Teixeira. He's Brazilian. They had uh, Johnny Walker. So, I mean, you have a lot of European guys in those events, which is cool because the crowd always gets behind one of the dudes. And this was no different. Uh, Glover Teixeira is a super, super old fighter. But uh, he's always he's still at a really high level, honestly, to be at his age. So uh, they, they put him against Jamal Hill. And I didn't realize this until a week, a week or so before the fight. Jamal Hill is actually from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Or he's fighting out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, at least. And that's um, where I'm from. It's where a lot of my listeners are from. So that was really cool because uh, as soon as I heard about that, I was all Jamal Hill. I wanted him to get the strap. So we had the Jamal Hill Glover Teixeira fight. That was a crazy fight because I did not see that being as one-sided as it was. Uh, Jamal Hill really impressed me. He's a really tough matchup for anyone, I think, because he's really rangy. He's long, got a long wingspan, and he's he's tough, and he hits really hard. So, And his cardio was better than I thought as well. I thought he was gassing out, but he honestly lasted out all five rounds, and his power pretty much remained for all five. And Teixeira looked winded. I mean, at what age can you be winded? That's, that's fine. He has he's like upper 40s. So, I mean, it makes sense that his gas tank wasn't what it was. But I thought Jamal was going to have a tougher time on the mat with Glover. Glover's jiu-jitsu is insane. So I thought that was going to be a bigger factor. But honestly, Jamal did really well. So he was able to scramble back to the feet almost every time. Didn't get dragged down, didn't get dragged out. And basically just pieced up Glover for five rounds. It was insane that Glover even went five. I think the coach was trying to stop the fight midway through. But... uh Someone on Glover's team or Glover said, hell no, we're finishing this fight. And I'm going out like a champ. So that's what he did. He went out on his shield. Uh, he showed his toughness, and he's a legend in the sport. So that was cool to see Glover fight one last time. It was sad to see the way he lost, but at least he didn't get knocked out, even though it probably could have been stopped multiple times. So that was a cool event. And now we're going to be talking about future events in the UFC because Dana White has been cooking. He's been cooking. So he's stacked up like three cards in a row, even though him as a person, I think, is being highly questioned right now for good reason. I think Dana White is kind of an asshole. He underpays all of his fighters. And he just got um, caught vi- or with an assault on his wife. So great look for the brand. But uh, yeah, Dana White, I'm not a huge fan of the person, but I huge, am a huge fan of the fight cards he makes. So <laughs> I guess it is what it is. But Something that he did just book a while back was Volk versus Islam. Now, this fight is going to be huge. 
I'm a huge Volkanovski fan. I think he's getting up there. If not the featherweight go, I think it's him and a few others, but he's right there. And now he's going up weight because he pretty much ran through the entire featherweight division and everyone they threw at him. So he's kind of getting bored of that division, honestly. So he, he went up weight and Islam is the new acclaimed champ at lightweight. And he's supposedly the next Khabib. I mean, I've watched a great share of Islam and Khabib. I think Khabib is a little better. I think Islam is more beatable. But also, Islam striking is a little better than Khabib. So it's a tough matchup for anyone, especially someone going up weight. But I think this fight is going to be a lot closer than people think because uh, Volkanovski is a really short, stocky MFer. This guy is... Are those guys that are like that, you think it'd be easy to take them down, but it's it's really not. It's They have a lot of leverage, and he's a huge 145-er because nobody actually knows this, but he did rugby before he did MMA, and he played rugby at over 200 pounds. So that dude's like a built, built 145-er. So I think Islam's going to have a lot more trouble with him than he kind of thinks. I think that's going to play into the fight. I think if I had to go with, with my head, I think Islam will win, but I think it's not as easy as anyone thinks it'll be. I think Volk will make it a lot harder than it would appear on paper. So yeah, give me Islam if I had to put money on it, but I really want Volk to win to get the double champ status. I think that'd be sweet. But yeah, I have I have Islam, but I won't I won't be surprised if Volk either takes it the distance and gets it gets a decision or possibly even stops him. I don't really see that playing out, but I could see Volk getting a decision in this fight. So that's my prediction on that. There's also a bunch of other stat cards that we will get into in future episodes, but I kind of wanted to piece it out so we'd have more exciting cards to talk about over more episodes. So now we're we'll talking about the new stupid, stupid league that Dana White just put out. I just gave him praise for some stuff and I just hated on him for some stuff. This is one of the things that I will absolutely hate on him for. This is one of the dumbest fucking leagues I have ever seen in my life. If any of you guys haven't heard or have heard, I don't know how popular this is. It shouldn't be popular, but it's called the Power Slap League. This is possibly the dumbest thing ever invented. I hate this league. I think, I don't know how anybody watches this. Like literally, if you guys, if you guys don't know, the Power Slap League was a branch off pretty much that Dana White created because he has populated from the UFC. Anything that he puts out will get some level of attraction just because there's a billion fans for the UFC. And they're pretty much getting the bare minimum amount that you could imagine from that popularity to like this new branch off. It's called Power the Power Slap League. It's literally two fucking non-athletes that have beer bellies and are 35 that have nothing else to do, just came out of prison. All the he gets all these type of guys, puts them in here, and just says, slap the shit out of each other and see who falls first. It's so stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. This these guys aren't athletes they think they're athletes they go up there and you can't defend yourself you literally just go there you like you're standing dead straight and this guy like winds up three times and just fucking smokes you as hard as he can in the face and the first person like get knocked out loses so you literally just you're pretty much taking your brain through a car crash 30 times until you lose and then you get paid a five buck gift card to like denny's so that's like that's what i imagine this league's like because you can't even defend yourself. So there's no like technique. There's no strategy. It's people think that like if you do this sport, you're like a tough guy. You're a fighter. You're not a fighter or tough. You're just stupid. Like 
These this league is ridiculous. I don't know how anybody gets excited to watch this because like they release like these promos on the UFC account. I'm so sick and tired of seeing these because nobody cares. Dana White, if you want to promote it, promote it on the Power Slap account. Nobody wants to see the shitty league that you thought was a cool idea on the UFC account. Post UFC on the UFC. Post the shitty league on Power Slap. Stop <laughs> combining them because no fan is translating, okay? I love the UFC. I think it's the best league to watch um, entertainment-wise. And I cannot, I can't even like watch this power slap league with like actually like I can't relate to people who take this serious. Like, yeah, are, are you excited for that? I, I literally had someone mention the other day at my college, like uh, in classes, like, yeah, I heard about this power slap. Like, it's kind of cool. I was like, oh my lord, this guy needs help. Maybe he needs to text Dana White and be like, I'll join because you don't even have to, like, anyone can join. My, I could send him a DM and be like, I want CDE. Can I join? He'd be like, yeah, go ahead. I'll give you five bucks. And like, that's how it is. This power slap is an absolute joke. I think it'll fail really miserably. They'll spend way more money than they'll make because they don't sell a single ticket. Or I don't even know how they're like making It's literally just the clips they post, like Dana White. They have people behind the slappers, not even the fighters. They have people behind the slappers. So when one of them gets knocked out, They'll like catch him. Dana White's like, oh yeah, we're promoting safety. Let's go. Mental health, head health, all that stuff. Like no brain trauma. I'm like, dude, these guys are sitting there. They can't move. And they're basically getting fucking smoked in the face by guys whose hands are like twice the size of my head and don't know what they're doing. That's basically a punch. It's basically a punch because there's no gloves or anything. And they can hit you with their wrist. They can hit you with their, like their thumb. It's basically a punch. And you can't defend yourself. You just have to sit there. <laughs> and eventually you'll get KO'd. And they're like, yeah, we're promoting, we're promoting brain trauma health. We're developing research. I'm like, you're not doing any of that. How are you doing any of that? You should promote a league where you go there and you just get smoked until you get knocked out. Or the other guy gets knocked out and then you're somehow tougher. It's so backwards. But uh, And the, the premise of fighting that they say before, every fight in any kind of fighting is protect yourself at all times. That's the basis rule. They say that in boxing, MMA, kickboxing, anything. Protect yourself at all times. You can't do that in this league. They pretty much, they just say this. Hopefully don't get knocked out at all times. All right, slap the shit out of each other. That's probably what the ref says, if there even is a ref. But yeah, that's my take on power slap. I think it's one of the dumbest ideas I've ever laid my eyes on. And yeah, so hopefully Dana White realizes that nobody wants to watch this bullshit and gets rid of it because it's truly horrific. And he just got in trouble with hitting his wife. And then he puts out power slap league like a week later. Are you kidding me? You talking about you want to talk about not giving a shit. That is the definition. But anyways, moving on from that, uh, we still got some more a little more UFC stuff to talk on. Uh big news actually just came out a few days ago. Conor McGregor and Tony Ferguson both got offered a coach on season 31's The Ultimate Fighter series show as well so that is a huge huge breakthrough i don't i didn't even think they were going to make a new season i thought they were going to close out the show but maybe they would have if they don't if they don't get these two big guys because obviously as most mma fans know conor mcgregor hasn't fought and it'll be two years this summer it's probably one and a half years now uh after he broke his leg in his uh trilogy fight with dustin and 
rumor says that he is fighting this year. He wants to come back. So, and I would love to see him come back. I am a big Conor McGregor fan in terms of MMA. Uh, as the person, I don't know if I love him, but he is, he's honestly, he just brings so much eyeballs to the sport. He, every, when he's fighting, it's better for MMA because he just is so entertaining and he brings a new level of excitement to any division that he comes back to because everyone wants a piece of him. And it's funny to just hear like the trash talk, the build up, And honestly, he's just a really skilled fighter. He's just good. He's a good, he's a good fighter. But um, his, obviously, yes, he has lost a step. He is past his prime. But that being said, he's a fucking, he's a true fighter at heart. Because if you're willing to have a billion dollars and still want to go fight with like four ounce gloves, you're pretty crazy. So you got to respect that at least a little bit. But um, Tony Ferguson as well, just the same as Connor. These guys are crazy. Tony Ferguson is one of the most mental people I have ever seen. This guy, he like kicks, he, there's videos from like kicking metal poles to like kill every nerve cell he has in his legs so he can use that to his advantage in his fights. Tony Ferguson is a fucking crazy man. But that's like the best fighters in the UFC. They're all crazy. So uh, it's no different with Fergie. But Ferguson and Connor are both on both like legends in the sport. And they both will be at some point. But they've both lost a step. And they're kind of on a little bit of a losing streak now. And they both need a win to come back and like get themselves going. And they both need like a tune-up fight. As In terms of UFC, they're, the problem is they don't really do tune-up fights. They kind of do... Uh, every event is like a going-out-of-sale event, and they just load it. And they don't give fighters a chance to kind of knock the rust off because it'll be two years since kind of last fall. That's a ton of time in MMA. And coming off of a huge injury, nobody really comes back the same after that. So I don't expect him to. And the problem is with him that he's such a big draw and everyone wants to see him fight that bad and that they'll always give him like a good, a really top guy is the problem because I don't think he is that top guy anymore. And he'll want to do that because that's just who he is. But this fight, if they make it with Tony Ferguson, is perfect for both of them because they're both getting up there a little bit in age, both on a losing streak, both historically insanely good fighters, and they both need a win. So it's, I think it's perfect. Either give Conor McGregor Tony Ferguson or give him Michael Chandler. And I, only, I almost like this one better because I think it's it going to be a good stylistic matchup. So, But the whole premise I was talking about this was they just got offered to coach on The Ultimate Fighter. So if you guys don't know, I feel like a, honestly a decent amount of people have not heard of this show. It's a show where the UFC picks two fighters, normally pretty well-known ones, so it attracts more people. They pick two fighters to coach up-and-coming fighters that uh, want a chance to make to the big show at the UFC. And they put them in this show called The Ultimate Fighter. Now, the coaches, they, they obviously separate the, all the kids into two teams. A lot of times they do like a Team Europe or a Team USA. So they'll get a foreign fighter and obviously a hometown fighter. And they'll get European kids and kids born in the States to go up against each other and, and clash. And then the, normally, normally the best few of the fighters get picked to make it up to the UFC and get a shot. And it's so entertaining because the whole time you have these crazy personalities and the coaches that just like talk shit to each other, jab back and forth the whole time, knowing that they're not fighting. But it's it's hilarious. Connor has been on it one time before. And it was one of the funniest shows ever. So and Tony Ferguson will be even he's just as funny of a personality because that guy's just crazy. So I cannot wait if this show happens. I want them both to accept it ASAP. I would love this show. I can't wait. I think they normally happen around May. So that would kind of line up if Connor 
and Ferguson want to fight because normally they, when they do this show, they pick two fighters that they are planning to have fight later to promo the fight. So like once you would, you just, cause they're always together in the show. They're always going against each other, team versus team coach versus coach. So it kind of builds the promo for the fight in itself. They kind of do that a lot of times and Connor, I'm guessing his comeback will be around June, July at this point. It's getting pushed back and pushed back further. So I think that would line up, honestly, if they do the show around April or May. So yeah, I think that would be awesome for the company. I think it's a great decision of who they offered. And I hope I think they're both saying that they would be willing to accept it. So I think we should get an announcement somewhat soon for that, hopefully. And we'll be able to go from there. But let's move on from the UFC. Uh, let's jump into the NFL. So the NFL playoffs are ramping up. We have, as I, mean, I missed a week. I'm sorry about that, guys. But I will um, give my reactions to some games that I did not see playing out the way they did, including my bold pick of the week last week. So, <laughs> yeah, that absolutely faded, by the way. If you, if anyone bet on that, that's my bad. <laughs> you're still 2-1, though. So if you bet on all three, you're still up. But, uh, yeah, we'll be back to this, this week's playoff run. And let's do it. All right, so. This last week's playoffs, we had the Jags and the Chiefs. We had the Giants and the Eagles. That was tough. We had the Bengals and the Bills. And we had the Niners and the Cowboys. Now, I'll jump into each game pretty briefly here. But the Chiefs and the Jags, that game was a lot closer than I expected. I I did see the Jaguars being being able to score points on the Chiefs. But honestly, the Jags' defense did better than I thought. I thought the Chiefs were going to go down and score points literally every drive. And it was at Chiefs too. So like I thought that game was going to be a little more lopsided than it was. But credit to the Jags. They played them tough. I mean, they were in it to the last bit there. So uh, the Jags had a really successful year this year. Doug Peterson is a good coach. I think they'll be back. They'll just have more draft picks. Um, they'll get more protection for Trevor Lawrence in the coming years. I think they'll be pretty good. But uh, I don't think that would catch the Chiefs <laughs> per se. But I mean, that team is, they've been, they played them tough this year. So credit to the Jags. But the Chiefs move on next round. And next game, we had the Giants and the Eagles. Uh, I mean, this game did not go the way I thought it was going. I thought the Giants were going to play them really tough. I had the Giants actually winning that game. That was my sleeper pick of the week. And they just got absolutely blasted. I mean, the Eagles just. They literally curb stomped in this game. It's 38 to 7. So I'll take that one on the chin. Uh, the the Eagles, I mean, they're, they're the real deal. I thought Jalen Hurts was going to be rusty a little bit. I thought the Giants' D-line was going to do better. Where were they? Tavon Thibodeau, that dude was fucking – someone find that man. The government needs to go out and find that man because he was nowhere to be seen that game. Oh, my gosh. He talks so much shit for being so mid. I don't know. I think Kayvon Thibodeau is a solid player, but he talks way too much for that level of output. So, uh, yeah, the Giants, Eagles, complete fade of the bull pick of the week. Uh, and next, we have the AFC again. We'll have the Bengals and the Bills. And I actually did see this coming. Um, I almost picked this for my bull pick of the week, but uh, I did see the Bengals, if not beating the Bills, playing them really, really close. Because I think the Bills were kind of in a, a little bit of a slump, honestly. They were like, like scraping their way past opponents. Josh Allen was not having a great stretch. And the Bengals were kind of heating up at the right time. So I, the one thing that was I thought was going to be 
a factor as it was it was at the Bills. And it's obviously going to be freezing, even though Cincinnati's they're used to that. So I mean, that's not going to refer to them that way. But it's always hard to play at the Bills Mafia, and a Josh Allen just I thought he could turn up at any point in the playoffs, and they just looked out of sync, man. The Bills just they, they looked out of sync. Him and Diggs could not really get connected. The defense could not get off the field when they needed to. And it was kind of just Bengals the whole way. It, it was, I did see the Bengals. Honestly, I would not, I was not surprised at all when the Bengals beat them. But I did think it was going to be a closer game just because of the fact it was under the lights at Bills and it was do or die. I thought they were going to play them a little tougher than that. But uh, next round, we have the NF, back to the NFC. We have the Cowboys and the 49ers. And the Niners get this one. It's nineteen to twelve. This game was kind of I don't know. It was it was kind of a boring game, honestly. I mean, by the way, Maher, holy, this guy is absolutely getting cut. There is no way. I the last couple weeks with Brad Maher on the, on the Cowboys, the Cowboys kicker. What the hell was that? This guy is a he had the biggest shitter of a couple weeks I've ever seen as an NFL kicker. This guy could not hit anything. It was so funny. On social media, he was just getting grilled. But uh, yeah, Jerry Jones had to come out and talk to him before the game to give him like a pep talk. Oh my God, that was so funny. But uh, yeah, the Niners get the job done here. I, I suspected that. The Niners are just like such a well-rounded team. And Purdy is playing his ass off. Honestly, I don't know if it's just a Nick Foles type situation where he just gets hot and well, he'll kind of come back down to level next year, but Purdy is playing the lights out right now. Every game, I think he's going to have a shitter and every game he just kind of plays well. I mean, it, stats didn't blow away this game, but I mean, like he, he, he just does enough to win games. That's all you need him to do as the last pick of the draft. You're not going to expect him to throw for 400 yards every game which he honestly has been close to doing most games. So Brock Purdy has been playing like a beast, honestly. I think people need to start taking him a little more serious because he's on a team where he doesn't have to do a ton on the Niners, honestly. He's in a good system with Shanahan, a great system. So he's not asked to do as much as a lot of other quarterbacks in the playoffs, but he's still, I mean, he connects with a lot of his receivers. He's good with George Kittle, and he doesn't turn the ball over a ton, which is something that I thought he would do a lot of. Once he got put put in, and the Cowboys, they just couldn't do anything. Honestly, this game was a really low scoring game the whole way, and the Niners are just they're just better than the Cowboys are. And we got another year of the Cowboys just choking, so that's always good. <laughs> Cowboys fans are just always they're the most annoying fans in football, so it's always good to see them get bounced. But all right, so now that we've recapped the the last round of the playoffs, we'll be giving our Super Bowl updated predictions. And I'm just going to be talking about the teams I think will make it. I'll, I'll give my predictions on the game when it's when we get the two teams lined up. But for my prediction on who's going to be in it, out of the 49ers, the Eagles, the Bengals, and the Chiefs, my prediction is I have the Eagles playing the Bengals. I think the Bengals are going to beat the Chiefs again. I think Joe Burrow is Patrick Mahomes' biological father right now, honestly. Either I think they're 3-0 against the Chiefs. I know the Chiefs will be really hungry to get this get this win back, but I think the Bengals are just they're just dialed in right now. And the Chiefs scraped by the the Jags at home. I mean, the Bengals are a lot better than the Jags. So, I mean, I have I have that um, 
game playing out as it has played out. I have the Bengals making it over the Chiefs under the lights at the Arrowhead Stadium, and I have the Eagles edging out, edging out the 49ers. I think that game's going to be close because the 49ers' defense is nuts. It's always good. So I think Brock Purdy will have a good game, but not good enough. I think he's going to be asked to do more than he has the whole playoffs to this point against the Eagles because the Eagles, I mean, I thought they were going to be a little bit rusty last game. They came out and smacked the Giants. So I think the Eagles are prime, ready for a Super Bowl right now. So I think the Eagles will get it done, but it's going to be close. That one's at Philly as well. So that's my prediction. I have Eagles versus the Bengals in the Super Bowl. All right. Now let's move on to golf. And I'm not talking about like super specific golf, but we're going to move on to the pro game. And let's just give my opinion on golf in the winter because I think, I think it's just stupid, man. I really do. I think they're just grasping at straws to like keep the season, keep golf alive. And it's, it's just, I just can't get into it, dude. It's 30 degrees out snow where like everyone in the Midwest is staying nobody's watching golf nobody's watching golf so like i think just honestly the golf what golf should do is they just have like maybe one ramp up event go straight into the masters and then go because honestly they like the masters is in march so i mean that's perfect timing like that's when the weather's getting up to par people are actually going out and playing golf that's when they get into watching it when you can go out and play golf you're more interested to watch it on tv because i'm not going to watch golf if i'm we're having to trudge through four inches of snow to get to class. Like I'm not going to get into golf. So I think golf in the winter is stupid on TV. I, I don't like it. I don't watch it. So because it's way too early, like you can't at least have it start in like late February, early March. I'm not going to watch a golf event in the heat of January, like or in the freezing of January, more like. So I think that's just my take. I've I've like seen that golf posting about stuff and I'm like, how are you guys even into this right now? And I like watching golf and I can't stand it in the wintertime because it's just not, it's like all patty cake events that nobody cares about. And I, I, it's just not exciting. So that's my take on that. We'll be moving on to the bold pick of the week. Now we're going to be looking to bounce back this week. Uh, last week was a total flop. So I don't think it can get much worse in terms of how close you were to the pick. So not too worried about that. But my pick this week is the, you know what? The bold pick of the week for episode six is I have Indiana beating Purdue. College basketball, college hoops at Assembly Hall. There's no way Indiana loses this. Now, this is a totally biased pick, but I think if no, if you guys don't know, I do. I do go to Indiana University, so uh, I've been to Assembly Hall, and there is no way I see us losing against Purdue, our biggest rival. Uh, that stadium will be packed out. Say, tickets are going for three hundred something right now. I'm trying to get one, but yeah, Indiana. I don't see us losing to Purdue at Assembly Hall. At Purdue, toss up. I, I don't know. They're really, really good, which sucks. I hate them, but they are really, really good. But there's no, there's no way they beat us at Assembly Hall. Because Trace Jackson Davis is going off right now. That dude's going off. He's had like 30 and over 15 rebounds the last like three games. He is single-handedly carrying our team right now. And I do see that to continue. He'll make it really tough on Zach Eady because he's so athletic. 
I just hope that he doesn't get into foul trouble with Zach Eady because I feel like that always happens. That fucking 7-4 dude, he just stands in the post and eats rebounds. I, I don't. I, I hate Zach Eady. I think he's a way overrated. Moving on from that game. Yep, my bull pick of the week. I'm going with it. I'm going with Indiana beats Purdue at Assembly Hall, college basketball. Now, going into the last segment here, obviously we have the top five. This week's top five is uh, relating to one of the events we've actually already talked about, one of the sports we've already talked about, but we're going into the fighters now. We're talking about the top five UFC fighters of all time. Now, this list is more based on like not currently, like if like the fighter is still currently fighting, it's based on like their peak. Like half of these fighters are already retired. Every fighter I pick will be top five fighters of all time at their very best. That's how I'm basing the list. So starting out with number five, this one was a really close one. It was with it was between him and a few others. I had Conor McGregor at number five. Now people will say that the recent struggles he have would push him out. But I don't. I think you have to put him in the top five barely, because he's not. He's not done what, the, what these other guys have done for sure. I'll give him that. And I think Connor has done enough to put himself in the top five. However, because obviously the champ champ status, barely anyone's done that, especially in the male male division. So, I mean, you got to respect that. And he dominated one weight class, beat Jose Aldo in thirteen seconds. I mean. He's undefeated at featherweight as well. People don't think of that, but he never lost a featherweight. So he's one of the most dominant guys at his best, which is what I'm rating, ranking this at. So Conor McGregor at five. Four, we got GSP, George St. Pierre. Now, this guy was a little before my time, honestly, but I have rewatched like most of his fights, and this guy is just a total, total fucking beast. This guy dominated the UFC for like over 10 years. This guy's one of the most well-rounded guys ever, one of the best wrestlers ever. And he's a dog. GSP was a dog. So I, I do like watching like him on podcasts and stuff now. Uh, he's, a really, he's a really nice guy, and he's really, really intelligent about fighting, obviously. But, yeah, I got GSP at four. Number three, I got Khabib. Khabib just dominated everybody. Um, it's kind of a style that no one seemed to figure that puzzle out yet. The Sambo type of wrestling that these Russian dudes have from like the mountains of Russia. These guys are crazy, crazy wrestlers. And it's not like a traditional USA wrestling style. It's a little different because they use like the different positional strategies a lot, a lot more. And they do it at a weight class that like, it's not super, super wrestler heavy at 155. So they kind of just, they just drag these guys out and tap them out every time. And Khabib did that to literally everybody. He just tapped everybody out. So he's 29 and 0. Um, I, I did. Some people have him as the goat. I don't. I have him at three because he didn't fight anybody until he fought Connor in 2018, and then his after that, when he like unified his belt, the last two or three fights were good fights. I'll give him that. That's why I have him at three. But his first like 25 fights were at, there were nobodies. So, I mean, you kind of take that into account the competition they fought against. That's why I have Connor. That's why I have GSP. Those guys fought the best every time. That's why they made my top five. But then again, they're not undefeated. So you have to take in, it's kind of a mix and match. So I have Khabib at three. Uh, number two, Anderson Silva, the spider. I think this guy is getting a lot more hate than he deserves because he just lost to Jake Paul in boxing. What is he at, 46, 47? That doesn't count as into his MMA record. He's not a boxer, okay? He's a decent boxer, 
because of his MMA striking. He's not a true boxer. So, and he's like upper forties. That shouldn't count against him. He was just doing it for the money. So, okay. So like, I don't want to hear that in terms of how good is he, good he is at MMA just because he lost to Jake Paul. The dude is twice Jake Paul's age. Like he, Jake Paul should beat him. And he's Jake Paul. All he's been doing is boxing. If you throw him in there with Anderson Silva and MMA, Jake Paul would get fucking murdered. So I don't, I don't, I hate those comparisons, but Anderson Silva, number two, he fought the absolute best. One of the best strikers of all time. Super, super entertaining to watch. If you haven't watched MMA before, I would watch Anderson Silva highlights and then you'll start watching UFC. But yeah, Anderson Silva is super, super cool. Number one, super controversial. Um, not a great person, but he is a damn good fighter. John Jones, number one. This guy, there's no, there's never been anyone better than John Jones. He's kind of in the same sense as Conor McGregor because he has so much talent. He's way more talented than Conor is, but they're both very skilled fighters, but they both wasted away their primes, to be honest, because John Jones was because he was a dumbass and he got in trouble with the law about 40 times in Las Vegas. Don't bring that guy near Las Vegas because he will get arrested. <laughs> I don't know how many times this happened. Name any law you can think of. That's stupid. He's probably done it. And Connors was because he made a bunch of money and then he just pretty much dicked off. And he was super inactive for the next years. But John Jones was because he got in trouble with the law a bunch of times. But that doesn't take away from his accolades in the octagon. This guy is the best fighter that's ever lived. And he's fighting actually in March. So I'm super, super excited for that. I do have John Jones winning that. And I would certainly, I would, I think he already, people, most people have him as good already. If he beats Cyril Gone, go. I don't care. He, he that's absolutely certifies him. So uh, I have John Jones at number one, kind of handedly, to be honest. Like he beat DC twice. He knocked DC out. I mean, that's the only time DC's ever been knocked out. Given he was on steroids a couple of fights, this and that. I mean, you, you, it's, it happens. But like, you have to take account of just eye test. Eye test, who's the best? John Jones is easily the best MMA fighter that's ever lived. So that's my top five. We'll run it down one more time. Number five, we have Conor McGregor. Number four, we have GSP, George St. Pierre. Number three, we have Khabib, the Eagle. Number two, we have Anderson Silva. And number one, we have John Bones Jones. So that's the top five for this weekend, episode six. And that's it for the episode as well. So Thank you guys so much for listening. Great to get back on the mic and talk to you guys. I hit it missing last week, but I I did not think I was healthy enough and had a good enough voice to talk for 30, 40 minutes. So I took the last week off, but we're back on track now. We'll be going each Tuesday as normal. So I'm super excited about that. And I appreciate you guys for listening. And uh, yeah, have a good one. Thank you guys.